Welcome to Moody's Mixer. Winning with prostate cancer. No fear necessary. Coming to you live tonight. We got a special show this evening. Lost a great young man that I had the pleasure of having in my life. He protected our girls at Spring Valley High School. I had the opportunity to coach this young man. This man never complained about a workout. I knew he was special. I got a chance to see him a few years ago as I, he was turning to be a professional boxer. I don't know how this show is going to go. I'm going to do my best to get through it. But I needed to get on tonight. And we'll be hearing women with prostate cancer now consistently, weekly. And we're also going to have some special announcements on some other podcast that'll be going out in the middle of the week. So take this ride with me. I need you tonight. As we remember Sebastian Eubanks from the UK. He came over here to the United States. He went to Spring Valley High School. That's where I met him. We took to each other quickly. And he protected the girls. He was their big brother, little brother. I know my girls are hurting because he was like a brother to them. He was like a son to me. And he's going to be really missed. Coming up on my one year anniversary of my diagnosis with prostate cancer. I want to have a special celebration during the week. But I had to do this one tonight to remember this young man. So stay with me, hang in, and enjoy the show. So those on Instagram, there's no music. I can't use my restream. So you can go to Facebook or you can go to YouTube. And you can catch it live with the music and everything. So you're only going to get the, the audio of my voice on Instagram. But for some, that's all they have. And at least want you to hear the story. So you can call in at 404-557-2264. Actually, you can't. 
because my producer is on my line. So that's not going to work. So I got to start the show off, right? And this is the familiar music. Welcome to Moody's Mixer. When and with prostate cancer, no fear necessary. It's been a hell of a journey. God has really been in the midst of my life. He's been doing some wonderful things in my life. And I have to give him all the glory. got the chance to speak with a young man this afternoon who hadn't been in the doc- to the doctor in 30 years. He was afraid. He's afraid to see what's going on. You know, as my title says, no fear necessary. And we need to find out about our health Not just whether or not it's cancer or not. You know, this show is not about prostate cancer and cancer only. And this is about life, period. And we have to understand what our health is. And what I can tell you, the the clarity of my spirit and my mind this last year you know, the coming together of those two parts, those three parts, has just been tremendous. More than I could expect it. I had no idea that surrendering it, my life to God, how it would just change everything. You know, I ran for 59 years. And he got a hold of me. Yep. See, what I have is, this is my own doing. You know, I didn't look at the indicators that were in front of me 10, 15 years ago. And, you know, I ran my body ragged. You know, I redlined, you know, for 59 years. And I'm here. But I'm not sad about it because it has me here and has me in the best place of my life. So I can't complain. You know, God is good. That's all I can say. He, God is good. But the clarity is just tremendous. So as we go on this journey tonight, we're going to be Remembering Sebastian Eubanks. And if you get a chance, there are some Google information. His dad was Chris Eubanks Sr., who held the middle weight and welterweight belts back in the mid-90s. He has an older brother, Chris Eubanks Jr., who's a professional boxer. So the two sons were 
following their father's footsteps in just an unfortunate accident took Sebastian's life at the age of 29. He just had a one-month-old baby. He leaves them behind and his wife. I can't imagine. Hmm. Prostate cancer, <laughs> this is nothing. I got this beat. But how did you do that? You know, having the opportunity to see this young man grow and mature from a 14-year-old. And, you know, those that know me that I'm a taskmaster. And... When you come in my tutelage or my workhouse, it's, it's work. And this was a young man I saw as a young teenager who didn't shy away from the trap workouts that I gave him for years. And as a matter of fact, he looked forward to them. And I saw him a few years ago. He, the girls brought him by the house. He came back in from England. And Caitlin called me and said, hey, Dad, Bashy's in town. That's what we called him, Bashy. And he wanted to come see me, and I wanted to see him. And they came by the house. And we had a great reunion, a great time. And he even gave us some health and nutrition tips when he came. And I hadn't been diagnosed with anything at that time. But he left me some nuggets, left my family, left Kim, some, left us some nuggets about health. And what his goal was to become a professional boxer like his father. And... He was always a kid who didn't shy away from hard work. And I understand why he was able to become a professional boxer. It takes work. And what I'm learning on this journey, I can pray all day. I can go to church. I can do what looks like I'm being a good guy to God and, you know, honoring God by doing those things. And they are honorable to do those things. But what I'm finding out in this journey, we got to work. And I know we all heard faith without works is dead. But how much of that do we really believe you know, do we just keep praying and keep doing everything not to get the result that we want in our life and that God has ordained for us? And then we wonder why we don't get those things. Yeah. What do we say? Oh, he got something else for me. He wants something better. 
And I'm telling you, I said that several times because it felt like, I, hey, everything was good. And I apologize for the wind that you may be hearing. Um, but I am outside. I just wanted to hear and fear and see nature, you know, doing this podcast this evening. I needed to look up because I know God never forsake me. And yeah, and I was one of those guys that did a lot of stuff in their life. A lot of stuff not pleasing to God. A lot of stuff not pleasing the people. But more than anything, not pleasing to God. And this journey is teaching me that to be holy is to please God. And I remember a couple of years ago when I had that visitation, when he had me on my knees for two and a half hours crying. And Kim had to wake me up two and a half hours later saying, Corey, what's going on? You've been crying for two and a half hours. You've been down on your knees for, for two and a half hours. What's happening? And I said, God just woke me up crying and just talking to me and said, job well done. And that was significant because that was the night before my semi-final race to defend my world, my world championship in Malaga, Spain. And, and as athletes, you know, we like to get our sleep. And here I am on my knees two and a half hours and didn't know it. And not knowing what to do. But knowing that God had a plan for my life and I had to be obedient. And he told me I've been obedient. Oh yeah, there's been stuff in my life that hasn't been great. It doesn't stop our obedience to God. And what does that look like? It's hard work. What he told me that night after I pulled my hamstring in that race and end up walking, limping in, being clapped in. You know, those who run track understand you know, you know, when someone's last and they may have been lapping, you know, we call clapping. You know, if you've been to a track meet before, you know, that person's coming in last and, you know, we're waiting for them and clapping you in. And I got clapped in. And for that 300 meters limping around, God just told me, son, job well done not knowing that my life would be changing that day. And that evening, he told me something. He said, stop trying to live the don'ts, live the do's. And what he was telling me for my life was, stop trying not to do these things. Do the things that I am commanding, that I'm asking you, that I want you to do that I'm putting you on this journey. Because when we do those things, 
when I do those things, I get the results. And God's been in the midst for these last two years. And I spoke a little bit on my last podcast about my flesh dying. And I've always remember hearing pastors speak about your flesh is dying. You know, you got to die to your flesh. And even, you know, back then it was like, stop doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And those things we need to eliminate out of our lives. But if that's all we do, what are we doing for God? And I'm understanding now I got to do more for him. The don'ts get eliminated by doing everything I'm supposed to do. There's no time. You know, there's a scripture says, will a man rob God? And it says in tithes and offering. We also rob them in time when we don't do the things that he wants us to do in our life for him. I've had indicators that he wanted me to go a certain way and I chose not to. I may have even tried, but it got difficult. And, you know, hard work is something I've always been able to do in my life. It's just work hard to make it happen. You know, we just grew up in a family that you got to work hard and there's always somebody better than you out there. And there is. And I always was striving to try to be the best, but I cannot do it alone. So as I'm going through this journey with prostate cancer, which... You know, he said, okay, I got something for you. You're going to wake up. No, he didn't give it to me. But I didn't listen to the indicators that were there for years. And other things in my life that I, I bypassed. So seeing this young man put the work in to achieve his goal to become a professional boxer. I know he laid it on the line and gave it to God. And the last words I heard from him when we were together in Las Vegas a few years ago, a few years ago was, you know, coach, thanks for pushing me. And, you know, it felt good to hear that because normally I'm pushing too hard. You know, myself and everyone else. I'm pushing hard. I know what hard work does, what it can do for you, what it can do for us. And I saw my parents work hard as anyone I've ever seen in my life. 
and I saw what they accomplished through their hard work. And to get the news yesterday that he was realizing his dream was a little devastating. And I know he was going to be a world champion like his father and like his brother because they understand hard work and to give it to God. So it's a little tough. It's a little more than 24 hours of getting the news. But, you know, all I can say is God is good. And through what we think is bad news, God comes through. When I thought my diagnosis for prostate cancer was the end of life, when it really is the beginning of my life, finally. I remember when Terrence Tremell was on the show and he talked about his first time at the Olympic trials and the Olympics. And back then, you could have false starts. And false starts, you know, was sometimes a strategy for those who knew they needed to keep the faster runners in block. You know, there's always a strategy behind why people do what they do in everything in life. And those false starts either break you or get you ready. And I've had false starts in my life. But now... I was in the blocks, the gun went off, and it was a fair race. Now the race is going. I'll be back. Hell. <laughs> yeah. Bashy, love you. Gonna miss you, brother. I know the girl's gonna miss you. I know your family's gonna miss you. The world's gonna miss you. But your story is not done yet. The thing that you showed me in the last 24 hours was to keep on moving. And thank you for pushing. And I'm going to apologize for some of the technical difficulties we may be having. I apologize. I am uh, just trying to do the best show in the best conditions where I am to get through this. So I may lose some technical stuff, but... I got my little young man, my producer, Lawrence Cheney, helping me out get through this tonight on live stream. You can go to YouTube live. 
You can go to Facebook Live. Instagram's a little weird. Can't do it, but it's there. So, when the wind dies down, I'm going to talk a little bit. Just going to think about Bashy for a minute. Bashy ran that 800. He was a beast on the track. He could run it. It didn't matter. He was a great football player, too. But boxing was his love. And, you know, he was one of the few athletes at Spring Valley High School that wasn't afraid to do multiple sports. And I remember growing up where, you know, hey, that was a thing to do, to be a three, you know, three letterman athlete, you know, three sport All-American, three sport All-State. Now they want us to get these kids, wanting these kids now to specialize. And I understand it. But let me tell you something about the body and physics. And I just took a physics class. You know, the human body is not done developing at 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. And sometimes what we think that kid is good in Sometimes there's some other sports that makes that sport that may be his best sport blossom, but also you may find out they blossom someplace else. Because I remember a lot of these kids, this is when the high school football combine got to be popular. And, you know, I I called them, um, you know, vanity um, camps. Uh, you know, kind of like the who's who's. You know, if you pay for it, you can come. And yeah, you know, you you know, you get your time stamped, and you get to measure yourself against others and see where you rank. And you know, so it's not it 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 does have some value. Ooh, the wind is blowing stuff over. I apologize. But what I want to kind of say is that I remember some kids that didn't want to come out for track and as because a a particular at another F um, athletic sport the coach wanted them to stay and 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 do more and said hey if you do this you're gonna you're gonna get better when you know part of the issue might have been their conditioning and understand how to conserve their body and, and energy to, to be a better athlete, period, as opposed to just doing the technical piece. 
And one of the things I learned in, in track and field from Coach Cobb, who's a Hall of Fame coach, was that there are seasons for everything, just like there are seasons in our, in our life. You know, I've been saying I'm in my wilderness right now as I go through this journey. But what I learned to understand, and I remember 2003 when we were training for my first master's, Angelo Taylor was training for his 2004 Olympics. Terrence Tremell was training for 2004 Olympics. And all of us was there in Decatur and South DeKalb, running hills, getting the base work in. We weren't out on the track in September, October, trying to do interval work that really fine tunes the sport to, to, to perform at, at our optimal performance. You got to build base. You got to build base for all sports. And I remember talking to a few kids and a few kids came out. And what I can remember, the kids that came out for track, a lot of them went on to be college athletes. And not even just in track and field, in other sports. Because they learn to push and understand hard work about their bodies. Bashi was one of those. And as a matter of fact, I had to get on Bashi a few times because he would be working out for football or something else and then wouldn't even complain. You got three 600s today. And just do them. But I had to explain to him that you can do too much because your body needs time to recover. It needs time to heal. I'm telling you this because I got blasted up by Coach Cobb in 1980. You know, it was my, I was on the track team at Morehouse and... At the track practice, I'm going to play basketball because basketball was really my first love. That's what I did in high school. I didn't run track to my senior year in high school. And that's only because my brother Cam and my mom were worried because we got upset in the regional finals in the state basketball tournament. And she thought maybe we were going to hurt. I was going to hurt myself. But we were going to hurt ourselves. So... It was like, hey, you need to go out for track. You know, well, actually Cam said, you know, mom, Corey's fast. Make him run track. And that's how I got out there. You know, and ended up getting two state medals and a record that still stands there. And I'm saying that not so much about me, but being able to be, you know, have change and, you know, to, to maneuver when things are not always good. What can you do when things don't work out? And one of the things I realized, 
you know, I got letters in basketball from D1 schools, Weber State, Cornell, Iowa State, and I still have them. I got the proof. But what I said to myself is, then I was 5'9", 5'10", maybe. Actually, I grew a little bit. I'm actually 5'11 now. But I had to ask myself, what is going to happen if I play basketball? What am I gaining? What am I losing by going to play basketball? Yeah, I'll get a scholarship, get an education. But my chances of going for where I was at that particular time I was going to have to put in a whole bunch more work. I knew the work I needed to do because I played with everybody. I played against those. And I had to tell myself, I don't want to do this. There's too much work. Track was an easier fit for me. More objective. Didn't have to be judged by someone saying, didn't have to play the politic game either. But I said, I can't need to need to do that. You know, I, I stopped playing the piano when I was a little boy. I started seeing kids who could play by ear. I was like, man, for me to get like that, I gotta put in a ton of hours. Didn't want to do it. Could I have done those things? Probably. But how much more of my life or other things would I have been given up? And that's what happens. Sometimes we're afraid to walk away or to, or to change direction. Doesn't mean failure. It means like, hey, man, I didn't hit the max on this. So I've never been afraid to tell myself I've kind of maxed out or the risk reward isn't worth it. But the risk reward for battling prostate cancer naturally is worth it for me. Because what I gave up to get what I've gained, my mental health, my spiritual health, my relationship with God and my physical health, it's been worth it. I'm a sports fanatic. I miss football and watching that type of stuff. But what I did, I I quantified that one day. And what I had to say to myself was, they want me to sit down, watch these sports, get ratings so they can go up on the advertising dollars. I'm I'm sitting here paying them. And it's nothing wrong with doing that. I'm, I'm not here to say that's a bad thing. I'm just telling you, what I had to do for myself to get where I am, to get where I'm going. Those are hours that I could be doing some other things. And I'm not against, you know, people going and having other procedures done. Because I can tell you what I'm going through, this ain't for everybody. This is discipline to the 10th degree, no, to the 38th degree, which is kind of funny. I just did this physics class, working in this physics class. And one of the things we had to learn in in this class is exponents. Those came back into play again with the speed of light. How do you measure that in milliseconds? 
the speed of light, understanding velocity, understanding energy, mass, and all those things. Well, I've been able to apply those principles to my life now. And I've always been a ain't no junkie. That the little things. Because I know the little things make the big difference, especially as you move up in levels and stuff. I remember one of the girls telling us, there's levels to this stuff. There's levels to life. There's levels with relationship with God. Yeah, salvation, hey, we all go to heaven. That's the easy card. But to live for them while we're here, what price are we willing to pay? I know I, I was in touch with a young man who was willing to pay the price to be obedient. That was something we had in common and special. We saw that in each other, that we're going to push through this. So to see him reach one of his goals to be a professional boxer and knowing the work he put in to get there, it was more to him just getting on his knees saying, God, I want to be a professional boxer and going out eating pizzas every day, not running and working out and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But do we really understand what they're doing to our, to our bodies? Do we know how to respond from that? I told you, just cancel on me. I ain't blaming food. I ain't blaming nothing. I should have known about 12 years ago. And I'm going to post and show my blood test. And I'm going to block out the doctor's name to protect the innocent, as they say. <laughs> because I had indicators back then that my immune system was deficient. And no one did any, no one said anything about it. And I didn't know enough. And that's why I'm on here right now. Because I've known what those indicators were telling me back then, I may not be with prostate cancer, but guess what? I may not be sitting here on this microphone. So I have to say, I'm actually happy I'm here, but I do want to stop those who having to, to get to this point because this journey I'm on ain't for everybody. It isn't. When you take your body through a detox, like a heroin junkie, for three weeks, because all the toxins are coming out of your body, you know it's real. You start getting a little air and oxygen in your brain, seeing things a little clearer. it starts becoming worth it. What I know about me is something's worth it. I'm all in. I'm disciplined as it comes, even when it was bad. <laughs>
I was disciplined being bad. So it takes a lot. But if I can help some not get to this far, and they don't have to be so aggressive as it with it as I am, maybe it changes. And maybe, hey, I can do this. Because I didn't think I can do what I'm doing right now. But God has been giving me the strength. I'm not doing this by myself. God is giving me the strength to do these things. And the doors are just opening. I don't know how to explain it any other way. That he makes a way somehow. But I had to take control, get control of my life and give it to him. Had to get control of my health. See, we don't look at our health as sin. We like to harp on those Ten Commandments, things that we can judge others by. But I know there's a scripture that says that our body is a temple. And when I went through that detox and and start and I'm juicing and doing all the my, all my treatment. And I remember putting a piece of meat in my body again. It could have been maybe four ounces. And when I did my my coffee, those that don't know, I do coffee enema every day. About to go to two days a week, but it told like, don't do this no more. So. I, over the past year, I've learned to kind of calibrate my body to understand what it likes, what, what works, what doesn't work, what makes my mental capacity better, what makes my spirit here better from God. Where does that put me? I had to get control and calibrate it. But that started years ago when I didn't get on blood pressure medicine and cholesterol medicine when they wanted me to do that. That's when I was 200 pounds. I just said, no, I got to get this weight off. I got to work out. And what I kind of realized now, you know, my profession, I'm a CPA and a, and a CVA. I'm a certified valuation, um, um, valuation analyst. So I do M&A work, mergers and acquisition valuation. So Understanding value and what drives businesses, what drives the bottom line. And I remember saying to myself, you know, a couple of years ago, if I would have got on one of those programs with the drugs, you know, I might have been a, you know, $50,000, maybe $100,000 client to the medical industry, you know, with the pills, with eventually me being, me being a diabetic and my kidneys fail, failing. Oh, I know. Cause my dad happened. That happened to my dad. So that's, that's what happens. That's the program. And then when I got cancer, now they want to do these other treatments. So instead of me being a 50 or a hundred thousand dollar customer to the 
medical field. Now I'm a half million, million dollar customer. And they want us to be afraid and not understand how to take care of our bodies. Because we have to. And when we take care of our bodies, what I'm finding out, it takes care of our mind and our spirit. Those three are coming together like never before in my life. And when I saw this kid 15 years ago, working, putting it in, having goals, wasn't afraid to control what he know he needed to do. This is a little devastating to me. I wanted to go over to the UK and watch him fight. And he was that close. But I know he's still going to have an impact. Because he was obedient. See, our obedience to God, what I'm finding out for me, doesn't look like what a lot of people want it to look like. And some don't really upset that I'm in this good place. And I'm sorry. I'm in a great place. And that young kid has a part of that. Because I'm able to draw from his strength. And I've been able to draw from a lot of people in my life. And a lot of those who probably would not want me to even say hello to. But even those bad things in our, in our life and in my life has me where I am today. And Mr. and Mrs. Eubank and Chris Jr., I know you're grieving and hurting. And I don't know. I've lost parents. Haven't lost a sibling. Haven't lost a child. So I can't. I just want to tell you the goodness that I got from him. And I'm able to push through this. Because there were some things he told my family a few years ago about nutrition that we do today. And you may hear about those later on in some uh, further podcasts. But he's never been gone. And girls, if you're listening and you're out there, I'm here whenever you need me. I know this is tough, but I'm here. And I just don't know. But I'm going to take a little break, and we're going to come back. And we're going to talk about some things that will kind of what's going on with me and what to expect of hearing from me for my podcast. 
And we're gonna pick this up a little bit. This groove. God is good. Check me out on YouTube Live. Check me out on Facebook Live right now. Instagram Live. Instagram Live doesn't have the music. Check me out on Podbean.com. CoreyMoody.Podbean.com. Actually, go there. Check the website. I got a lot of videos and stuff. So, I got a little paragraph about Sebastian Eubank. This show is dedicated to him tonight. There's going to be some videos of him there. I'm going to be posting after the show. So please make sure you check out CoreyMoody.Podbean.com. Check me out on Spotify. Winning with prostate cancer. No fear necessary. Apple Podcasts. Facebook. Instagram. God's been good. I'm sorry, y'all. I'll be rocking. <laughs> I can't be rocking like that, right? Hey, it is what it is. That's what happens when you do live, right? Ooh, so what's going on? So. I will be talking on Wednesdays. Be working with. The Renaissance Fellowship, Las Vegas. We're going to be starting up a financial series. This is going to be a financial series like no other. <laughs> There's some good ones out there. They're going to give you some budget stuff and show you how to spend money and talk about being debt free and some great principles that are very important. And those principles are important. Those are the technical skills. But remember when I was talking about track, when I, I was working out with the Olympians. And in the fall, what we did was build our base, get ready for that January, February when we finally got on the track to really start fine tuning. And sometimes we can go to the fine-tuning piece and we miss the foundation of the base. And it's not that those things don't work, but we got to figure out for ourselves what gives us the best results. And I've been talking about finances for my whole life. And I've been talking about finances in the church for over 30 years. And I've worked with some of the big boys in the country and, and you know, a lot of churches. And, and I under, kind of understand the culture and, you know, what is important for a certain denomination, what, you know, what it means, the traditions. But sometimes what happens, the folks can't hear, they, don't, they can't get fed. It's kind of like when I was detoxing my body. Or like when the junkie de gets detoxing. 
got to get the toxins out. And one of the things a good friend of mine, we used to travel the country and speak at churches, you know, he's a pastor now, Lee Jenkins. We used to say PM, poverty mentality. And we can say that's prevalent in some churches more than others. But poverty mentality is not just related to color. It's a way of life. You know, living off assistance, thinking that I have no way out. And I'm going to tell you this, this quick little story. And this has happened a few times I've had these conversations, but this is a great story here. And it was a young lady who is great in her profession. And she wanted, she was kind of working off the books. And she was working off the books because she was getting disability. And she was getting maybe $30,000 a year, $40,000 in disability, which is not bad. I mean, that's <laughs> to not do nothing and to maybe make another 30, 40 under the table. That's 80 grand. But is that a way to live? But, but Paul Harvey used to say the rest of the story. Well, here's the rest of the story. They had an opportunity to make 150000 on movie sets. But turned it down because they didn't want to give up the disability, the free, mo the free money. <laughs> There's nothing free. So we had a conversation. And when I kind of did debits and credits and ledger, I said, you know, by taking disability, you're losing $110,000. You may say, well, Cora, how about the other 40? You know, she's, she's, she's losing a little less than that. No, because she still can do that. But now she can do it above board and be blessed by it. And now understand how to make more money doing that by understanding the principle, what she needs to do to run her business better. See, sometimes we think we nickel slick. Or we used to say, penny wise, pound foolish. And I'm happy to say she's on these movie sets, loving it, and it's changed her life. But I had, we had to, this wasn't a one day talk about giving up disability. This went on for a few months. Because we so ingrained that this, this is how, this is what I do. You know, I remember when I was in high school, I worked at the Ann Arbor Housing Authority as an accountant. And that's when I learned about Section 8 housing, that people would pay a dollar or five dollars. Some paid a hundred dollars about vouchers and certificates and you know, how people got that. 
and then food stamps and all these other things. And there are people who live off that. But they believe that's the only way. And strongholds have to be broken that you don't have to do that. You can do something else. That the twenty, thirty thousand dollars that the government is giving you, it's like hush money. Because one of the things you can't do is have a man in the house. Don't make sense to me. If a family is poor, you don't want to take care of them. Well, what they're thinking is if you got a man, a man should be able to provide, which is true. But these people who are on food stamps and public housing and other assistance give up so much power of their life to get these so-called benefits. There's a great book that I'm reading called Accounting for Slavery. And we're going to talk, we're going to get into this in the class on Wednesdays, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the Renaissance Fellowship. And if you, if you don't mind, uh, Lawrence is kind of running that stuff through the screen so people can see that. Uh, we're going to kind of be talking about this. But these are breaking these strongholds, getting these toxins. So one of the things in this, this, what this book was telling, what it was saying, and that the plantation owners, they had the most sophisticated accounting system on the planet. So now here we are in the Industrial Revolution, you know, all these factories are coming up, you know, opening up. They're coming to these plantation owners to look at their books because the detail that the plantation owners had was just phenomenal. They knew how much bale of cotton per day, per slave, family. They had these KPIs, what we call in the financial industry, in the valuation industry, key performance indicators like no others. So these, in, these manufacturing companies now were taking this, th these processes and system and start implementing these systems into their factories. And what started happening, you know, and they started meeting and this kind of get back to the Civil War a little bit. But these text, these industrial revolution, these manufacturing companies were complaining because they were at a disadvantage to the plantation owners because they didn't have to deal with strikes. They didn't have to deal, you know, with, you know, people wanting to get paid more and minimum wage. Why? Because they had free labor. They dare a strike in the field because they had control. And so what happens, we lose our value. We become a wage earner. And we weren't even wage earners, slaves. And I'm talking slaves, period. 
I don't want to make this about a black white thing, but we know where how it lays in different parts of the world. Because there was slavery back in the Bible. But slaves were able to be released. You know, and then you get to the Jubilee and things of that nature. We taint it how to help people get off assistance. We tainted that process. And so now when we work, we look at ourselves, what do we earn per hour? You know, it's funny how when they talk about certain people in the news, you know, they want to talk about how much Bill Gates is worth and, you know, this, this guy's a trillion, the first trillionaire and all this stuff. But when we talk about another segment, it's how much money they made. See, it's a different mindset when you understand value or worth over being a wage earner. So when you go through generations of being a wage earner or lack thereof, you tend to not understand your value. And understanding your value is about the power that you have in yourself. And you have to be able to take that power back. I had to take it in my health. I wasn't going to give it up to the medical world. Because once I start taking a prescription, I'm done. My life is dependent upon a doctor giving me a prescription. And so being a wage earner, we're always looking for that job. And it marveled me that, you know, we want to get into these positions and get a job. You got to understand certain people are only going to see, you know, when you had slaves your whole life and it's been passed down, you see slaves as workers, just labor. That gets passed down too. People are not going to see you any different if you come from a slave family. That's why you, and we talk about the caste system. That's a whole different talk. But coming from slavery and dents and servant, I'm not making this a black-white thing. But if you want to, you can. But it's, just on, it's a mindset. Because I've told some of my best clients now, guys, you got to get off the plantation. And they were making good money. But it's a plantation when you are a wage earner. But as long as you understand that and you're being treated fairly, it's okay. And it's not about that that is bad in itself being a wage earner. Well, it's bad when your value is different than someone else doing the same job. Then it becomes unfair. And that's when you got to understand your value. I had to understand my value in life. What God wanted me to do. That I had to do it this way. I don't have a choice. I understand my value for him now. I understand my value as it relates to work. 
I had to let a lot of that go. My value to him is most important. And understanding the baseline for things and is important. So as a CVA doing mergers and acquisitions, looking at KPIs and stuff, and, you know, when technology came in, it's coming in, you know, a lot of companies got rid of a lot of people. A lot of companies still don't want to make that, make that move yet. Because the processes and systems are not in place. They're, they're not comfortable. There's some employers that want people back in the office because they want to see and touch and feel them because they got that control. Well, if you had the indicators on your screen, you knew where people were working no matter where they are. Because people can, you know, swap screens and be on, on the Internet doing other stuff anyway. Saving on office space. And it's not that that's wrong. Hey, look, I got an office space in Atlanta. I'm shutting it down in February because I don't need it. But it's about understanding value and your value. So this poverty mentality, it's about breaking down these barriers that keeps us in bondage as it relates to our finances. Are we good at talking about, hey, tithe and give? How you going to tab and give you ain't got? Oh, you just giving, but you don't know what to do to get the increase. People, it takes work. Faith without works is dead. Got to teach people how to take care of their money, how to earn it, how to understand their value. Because even if you are on public assistance, you still can live a valued life. And I don't mean monetary. Because being on those uh, assistance, that comes with some baggage. You know, there are stories and, you know, where, uh, that I'm going to have people on, you know, they want to go to college. But they're being told, don't go to college. Stay here to help us keep getting over on the government. Let him go. Then he can take care of y'all or at least help out. But maybe you can see, hey, this works. There's nothing wrong with hard work. And to see a kid work the way he did, It does my heart good to know that I can get through this diagnosis and then know that other people can get through what they're going through. And again, my condolences to the Eubank family in England. I know you're hurting. But we got to break these strongholds in our lives. We got to get our life. We got to get control back. And we got to get it back in many areas. Health is one of them. Once a doctor has to prescribe everything for you, you lost your power. 
Now they get ready to put fear into you. Oh yeah, when they told me I had cancer, hit her three things, and if I don't do one of these things, I'm gonna die. Newsflash, doc, you dying too. <laughs> but most of us don't think of it like that. We hear cancer, I'm gonna die. You're gonna die anyway. See, I was more afraid not to live than of dying. Because I lived my life for 59 years. Now is my time to give it to God. And I want to be whole as I can to him. And I can't do it with having a, some of my organs failing because of side effects of drugs. I don't want to be a, a junkie. Yeah, because some physicians, they're in just to prescribing. They no different than Pookie on the corner. Yeah, but it's legal. Yeah, but it's killing us like everything else is. It's funny how we can, because it's legal, it's okay. You're still pushing drugs. You didn't tell this guy that his immune system is low. You can do these things. You know, some want us, they don't mind the things happening because they have treatment for us. Not remedies for healing, but treatment. They want to treat us. And just understanding that just giving me drive to not do it. Well, I, may I lose five years short of my life or whatever I may, but it's worth it. It's worth it to go tomorrow. This year, this two years I've had with God is worth it. If they say, Corey, it's metastasized, it's spread, you in trouble if you don't do something. I am doing something. I'm being obedient to God. I don't live in the don'ts. So this is what this is for me. And that young kid, Sebastian Eubank, there's a part of him that's helping me fight through this. And I want to thank him for getting me through this fight. God is good. So, on Wednesdays, check me out with Pastor Donald Cheney, the Renaissance Fellowship Las Vegas. We're going to be having a financial series. And yeah, I'm going to show you some budgeting stuff and some, some, some tools to use. But the tools are no good if we don't have the baseline, the foundation. And some of that foundation is going to be breaking strongholds, getting the toxins out of our lives. I never thought the purging of my flesh was going to lead to the freeing of my mind. 
Didn't see it coming. Not in a million years. But I'm loving it. And I just got a little more strength through the life of Sebastian Eubank. And mom and dad and brother, were brother I have met, I do want to come to England and meet you sometime to let you know what a wonderful son you had. Because he helped a lot of us. I want to thank you for helping me get through the show this evening. And I'm going to put a special thanks out for my daughters out there listening and going through the show with me and us going through it together. I look forward to seeing you again next week. Look for me on Wednesday the Renaissance Fellowship at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Check me out at Winning with Prostate Cancer. No Fear Necessary. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CoreyMoody.Podbean.com. Well, again, thank you, and God bless.